Welcome back to Recap, the show where we talk about the latest news featured on our social media pages. We try to find the news that matters most to our voters, and we encourage our legislators to not only listen, but to also act on what they hear. That is the point of Pointcast. I am your host, Joshua Hyde, and with me today is our analyst, Alex Crohannon, sometimes host of Recap himself. And also, we have Anthony Arnold, host of Smart Politics, and one of our writers. He loves to write our articles. I love reading them. He's a great writer. How are you guys doing today? Very good. Thank you for the compliment, by the way. No problem. I'm a big fan of your, your. I was going to say auditory, your, your authority, your literature. <laughs> Couldn't think of the word what about, what about his literature? Are you a fan of, Josh? What about it? Yeah, I think Anthony it? has is it like, his word choice? Anthony has a very <laughs> distinctive <laughs> voice, and that voice comes very that voice comes through very much so in his writing, and I like that. It feels like someone's talking to me rather than like giving me a dissertation. I feel like I'm having oh, a conversation. That's... Oh, you must someone. hate my writing. <laughs> yes, I do. I'm kidding. No, I don't actually. That's the best thing a writer can hear. I think. Is it that your written voice matches your your regular voice? It's yeah. That's I think it matches actually, it very well. It's, it's not really hard. Like a couple of the things. A lot of writing. Yeah, a couple of it because I know I know it gets edited. So like a little bit uh, does feel adjusted with some of the words that get switched. But like for the most part, like the the way that you form your sentences and the way that a lot of your thoughts come together is very very true to how you how you handle discussions here. Well, thank you. I owe that in part to uh, editor Francine Dash, who, <laughs> while we talk about her as the host and boss lady, trust me when I say, and Alex will probably back us up, her skills as an editor do not get nearly enough credit. Dude, her skills as, as... She makes my writing sound yeah. better than it goes to her. <laughs> Bro, like, let's just, let's just, like, take a second and, like, have an appreciation for Francine moment, because her skills in, in all the regards are absolutely wonderful. She's, she's really good at making websites. She's really good at, at editing. She's it, phenomenal. Phenomenal Facts. work all around. 100% one of the best people I've ever worked with. Yep. Total agreement. All right. On so, numbers? <laughs> let's <do> numbers? <laughs> <laughs> now that we've got, let me go ahead and done that. You're welcome, Francine. We love you. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about some trends, Alex. All right. Imagine that you work for a multi-dollar company. A multi-dollar? A multi-dollar <laughs> company. And um, you uh, you have to, in order to sell your product at a place, um, you it has to it has to get government approval. Imagine that this government hasn't approved anything since July of last year. Okay. This scenario is uh, not is is reality for um, video game developers in China. Really? Yes. So um, the the CCP, um, commu the uh, uh, Communist Party, uh, the China Communist Party, um, uh, have not released a new list of approved titles since July of 2021. This means that there have been no new video games released in China for six months now. Wow. And this uh, this roadblock has uh, led to the closure of 14,000 companies. Oh, shit. Dang. Yeah. 
What in the world? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so typically, they said that typically uh, the NPPA, which is the um, like the National Press and Publication Administration, it's the part of the party that does the like does the approval for yeah. like uh, I mean for 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 like art. I say for like digital art, just all together, all around. Um, uh, ha- they usually approve eighty to hundred games a month. And they have done nothing. They have approved no, no new electronic entertainment for six months. Huh. Do we know why? So we as I say they haven't. They this party hasn't put out any official statement. But if we say if we read between the lines and go with like what has been going on up until now, uh, the party is largely just uh, views video games as a um, uh, a spiritual failing of the country. They have been as a uh, they have been really clamping down on both the like on all of the major uh, video game developers. Tencent and Netties are the two big names uh, people are probably familiar with. Uh, they've been really um, going after the their um, CEOs and like and they they view the like the amount of money and power that they are amassing. And they just like, they're just fearing it. And so they're like clamping down on it. Um, but they post a state run media, um, the, eco- uh, the economic information daily, the Jin- or Jinwa news agency published an article back in August that referred to video game at video games as electronic drugs and spiritual opium. So while that, uh, I'm going to put that in uh put that like in context for like because opium means like something very very different in china than it does like here in the u.s like here like we're kind of like obviously like the recent opioid epidemic has been like a a major area of concern but in the uh in the not say in the early in the days of colonization the british empire brought opium to china and just flooded the the markets there uh as a way of pacifying the the population it's like no you guys aren't gonna fight us you're gonna smoke the opium you're gonna just gonna get high all the time and you're not gonna do anything and we're just gonna be able to take your stuff and then do what we want we're gonna do our colonizing thing and you guys aren't gonna fight us cool great so it's a it's a big um like the opium wars uh, are just a huge thing in like the cultural zeitgeist of China and like this great national shame. It is like largely viewed as like uh, the world laughed at us and um, it was this is just like the lowest moment in their in their history. So imagine <laughs> I, it's hard to just you know uh, imagine the president say President Biden just says that. Uh, the NBA is in its current form is uh, <laughs> I, I say this NBA is <laughs> the NBA is uh, is like is is apartheid, right? Is the NBA is like modern day slavery? Uh, that's, yeah, that's that like that is almost on the like yeah, that's the getting into the right level. time. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. on uh, September 1st of last year, they list, they put out new restrictions for uh, the nation's uh, youth, which were, they were, uh, children under 18 were only allowed to play video games for one hour a day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah. And they verified this using like in built into the console 
um, like face recognition technology. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. yeah. This, yeah, they're just going yeah. to war with video games. Yes. <laughs> um, and so we might say, so the response to this uh, might not be all bad for, um, especially for us here in the West, because it's a, we're all aware, like, China has a billion people and, and um, video game companies are greedy and they want that billion dollar, that billion people market. So they've been doing, been willing to do things, censor their games and make their games worse to try uh, to try to like, a you know, to pull money from that market. But if China is going to say, you don't have any place in our market, maybe we might start seeing some more Western focused, Western culturally friendly activities from video games. So maybe not all bad, but yikes. Yeah. That is, that is a big yikes. Like I, like that's, that's like the, something the government is doing. Like I, it, it's crazy to me to think about the fact that like, that is like a government sanctioned action. I said, I, for, again, they, they just willfully inflicted 14,000 right. business closures. Well, I mean, this is, and it goes to show though, their, their, their policies towards things like censorship uh, do stand in their way of their ambitions as a global power. Like those two are in conflict. The amount mm. of control they want to have over something like art and video games uh, will cause businesses to maybe consider turning the other way, like you mentioned. So that's crazy. Yeah. Huh. Well, there we go. Yeah, I thought that was just a real interesting story. Um, and it's, uh, while it in itself is like just like a data point and like a in like, um uh like currently in like modern times it's like a data point but it's been like an ongoing trend and uh just fascinating uh look at like the different divide like the i don't even want to say eastern western but like the u.s european china divide which i knew in many ways was only the divide itself was strengthened because of COVID and our mm -hmm. initial response to it partially due to Trump. And <laughs> speaking of Trump, <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about our poll, Anthony. Yeah. Uh, as always, our polls hit social media every Friday. We'd love to see you guys interact and respond to them. This poll is from December 31st. Have President Biden's Recent struggles with the pandemic caused you to change your assessment of former President Trump's response. If so, how? What follows is details about things like Operation Warp Speed, which took place under Trump, while also acknowledging that the initial stages of distribution and uh, development were well planned. The final stretch uh, was not, which was the getting shots into arms. Uh, Biden obviously had his uh, ramp up of things like vaccines, but as of recently, especially with this new strain, um, there has clearly been some backsliding uh, on, on his handling of the pandemic. So again, the question was, have President Biden's recent struggles with the pandemic caused you to change your assessment of former President Trump's response? If so, how? I will start and then we'll kick it to Alex and then finish off with you, Mr. Mr. President Hyde there. So I don't want to say it caused me to change my assessment, but it did crystallize 
kind of it, it kind of crystallized what I thought, and I, and I guess you could say that was a bit of a change, which is that this the pandemic is just incredibly difficult to coordinate a response to, right? Uh, the number of moving parts you have to get in order, the amount of of direction, uh, the way facts can start changing on the ground, leading to the need for new responses. It's just a difficult thing to juggle. Um, Biden has clearly struggled with parts of that. And that has sort of confirmed that um, part of what went wrong with Trump, in addition to his own personal problems, is that the pandemic itself is just a damn hard thing to solve. And um, that doesn't make me necessarily more sympathetic to the former president for a variety of reasons, but uh, it should give us some, I think it should give us a little bit of, there's a slight pause when we sort of are assessing people's responses. That is a legitimately difficult problem. Um, and everyone's maybe doing their best and they're failing not necessarily due to like a lot of personal flaws, but because again, it's just a hard thing to deal with. So that's sort of my, my response. Uh, like I said, kicking it to you, Mr. Crohannon. Professor X. Professor X. Professor X, yeah. Um, we're still doing this. Okay. Um, <laughs> so to not really, no. The, say the pandemic is, I would say we've only seen, uh, if anything, we've actually, uh, from the reports that we've seen, we've just seen the ways that, and like as reports have come to light, we've just seen the ways and like, the pandemic was uh, even more mishandled by the Trump administration than we had uh, originally thought. And we didn't have high, <laughs> high thoughts in the first place, high praises in the first place. Uh, so no, not, not really. It's just, um, look, 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 the, no administration is, uh, no world government um, has handled all of this well. And I'm and like by all of this, I don't mean just like the pandemic, but I mean like all of the various stresses that come as a result of a pandemic. Uh, no, literally, no one has handled it well. But there's definitely a, a short list of people who have handled it uh, the worst. Like Bolsonaro in uh, Brazil is uh, uh, the clear front runner for number one. So look that up if you uh, want to. If you are happy and want to be sad um, or angry, you know. I say so is Biden doing a great job? Not particularly, but better is say better than Trump was. So seems fair. Say. <laughs> All right. Refer from the professor. Now on to the president. Sir. So um anybody who knows me knows that I have nothing but contempt for Trump. Um I I make that very clear. I make that very known. Um I was very upset when he became the Republican front runner uh, for the 2016 election. And I have to put, I have to do work to put aside my personal issues with him in order to talk about his presidency objectively. I say that because when, when I think about what I want in my, in my national leader, um, in terms of a response to this, what I don't want is everything that's already happened with Trump. I, I don't believe personally that Biden is like worse or that in some way like has reevaluated anything that I felt regarding Trump's response to the pandemic. 
specifically because my biggest issue with it was how it was worded isn't the right term I want to use, how it was presented to the public. If I would have no reason to have as much problems as I have with his handling, at least at the very beginning of the pandemic, if it wasn't downplayed as much as it was, and if he didn't act like it was like a direct attack from China. Because everyone who looked up anything knows that this is like literally a world health problem. This has nothing to do with China. It just happened to come from there. And so in that regard, I can't really separate that from Trump because in my mind, that was like a direct, uh, a direct reflection of how bad he was as a president. <laughs> but at the same time, like, yes, Biden's gonna struggle because any world leader is going, like we talked about, we talked about this, pandemics are hard. There's no good way for any leader of anything to deal with this well. Like it involves a, a level of like national buy-in that is very hard to make happen even on the greatest days. And so, no, I don't think that Biden struggling is of particular concern to me because in my mind, he was going to struggle regardless, just like Trump struggled. But I think a lot of Trump's initial struggling was brought on by his own actions or in many cases, inactions. Yeah, I think, I mean, I know we're going to cover more of this. And so I, I think this will come up then. But I guess my initial assessment, the reason why I said, you know, I knew Trump would struggle. In the beginning, I, I just I don't think his struggles necessarily in the beginning were about uh, his personal shortcomings. I think they were more about the difficulties of responding to this new thing. Now, as we sort of move into the next phase of our of our discussion here, I think his personal shortcomings would have would have very much showed themselves in the in the current phase we're in. I think they would have been very apparent what his what his personal failings were. So. With that said, we can get, polls yeah. come out every Friday, guys. Respond on social media. But I'm going to kick it back to you. President, take us away, man. Take us away so, to the next phase. There is, there is one more thing I wanted to go ahead and talk about here. Because I, I think that there is, there is a good bit of discussion that we can have regarding Biden versus Trump when it comes to this pandemic. But there's a specific thought experiment I want to play with you guys. You guys remember a while ago, we did the America What If series where we took like, well, I, I don't know if, I, I, I remember we did the first one. I don't know if we did any of the other ones that I had played. <laughs> but, um, yeah. did we? Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay so I, I, can, I can call it the America What If series then. Okay, so I, I wanna do like a mini America What If with you guys. In most cases, when I was like gathering information about America What Ifs, it was about like large scale things that would have changed the course of our nation over a long period of time. This time I wanna do something a tad bit different. I've had a lot of conversations with people about how Trump would have handled dealing with this pandemic. Cause obviously this is something that came up during his presidency. Taking over in the middle of it uh, is in my mind, a hard thing for any president to do. But there was a large amount of people who voted to have Trump reelected. There were a good, there, there was a good portion of time during the election season where the the idea of four more years of Trump didn't seem plausible. It seemed very possible. And 
I wonder, given, given that we've seen enough differences already, I wonder what this pandemic would have been like two years in, as we see now, if we had ended up with four more years of Trump. So I'm asking you guys, this is this little mini America what if, what does COVID-19 look like if Trump didn't leave office? Now, I know that obviously there's a lot to unpack there. So I have a couple of questions that in my mind will lead to some discussion around those topics. But first, I wanna start with this because it feels like it's impossible to talk about Trump being in office without also talking about January 6th. In my mind, if Trump had been reelected, the normal way, obviously, without the insurrection. <laughs> if, if we had gotten Trump back in the democratic way, there wouldn't have been a need for it, uh, of the insurrection on the 6th. And so since I know that a lot of people kind of point to that as like the breakdown of our democracy, first, do we feel as though our democracy would have still been in shambles if Trump got four more years? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was already in shambles. It's still in shambles. Yeah. January 6th happened because it was in shambles. That's not the thing that put it in shambles. That's right. right. Okay. I just just know a lot of people point to that as like the thing that broke it, not necessarily it being broken before that. And so I wanted to see what you guys' thoughts were on that. Yeah. It was the thing that that illustrated that it was broken. Right. Okay. Right. One would have thought that the... Uh, the election of a uh, like would be is a like would be despot was uh, was the sign, but you know, all right, yeah. Some of you need it spelled out real explicitly. Okay, yeah. It's like when your car okay. breaks down. It's like the car breaking down isn't. But it's like it's the, the check the engine thing. light has been on <laughs> right. for three check months. Like, <laughs> not a surprise. Your car broke down. <laughs> it's it's been smoking for three months. <laughs> That's and then it caught on fire. You're like, oh, it caught on fire out of nowhere. It's been smoking. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. like I said before, my biggest issue with Trump and the pandemic specifically was his messaging of it and yeah. his general dealings with it at the very beginning and how I feel it would have been better handled uh, if we had more centralized messaging and like more Americans were called to action immediately instead of politicizing it and it becoming what it eventually became. While his initial response was poor, uh, Trump Trump's administration did take some strides to get both the vaccine made um, and a couple of other things. And while uh, he did publicly dismiss the virus, it's clear that he himself got vaccinated. So my question to you is to kind of to kind of kick this off. Do you think? his stance and messaging toward the pandemic would have changed if he had more time in office to spread messages to the public. No, I don't think it would have changed. I think, you know, we have seen him moving towards the, if we wouldn't test, the case count wouldn't be so high. Which I mean, I guess is technically true. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have so many reported cases if we didn't there's test. A, there's I mean, some logic that's, to there. That's true. Um, that's where Actually, he was going. Can I? I'm going to put a caveat on. Can I interject yeah, go here? Ahead. Go As I know, this is the uh, this is the cl- uh, classic um, red state environmental policy. If we don't test for it, it's not a problem. Correct. Yeah. Correct. 
So that's where he was going. I mean, he was going down that road. I don't think he would have gone away from that path. I think he probably would have gotten more dug in because there would have been the the push to like have the economy open back up and like declare victory and all those same, all the same sort of pressures that we have seen affect President Biden would have affected President Trump in this scenario. And so I think he would have been, you know, in a hurry to, declare victory one and let's all go back out there and live live life some more so no i don't think his messaging would it would have changed okay um i'll i'll throw a, another caveat on there so suppose that his message changed we've seen what his uh, supporters think because he's had um a couple of uh, rallies um and he where he has said things like and you should get your vaccine and uh, it has led to him being booed yep so even if he were to attempt to, you know, pivot messaging and change it, you know, um, he's going to really own the vaccine. It's the Trump vaccine. It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. I mean, not, not to a, like, there's a certain, I imagine there's a certain portion of the, uh, of his base that would follow, that would continue to follow him. And for some other percentage of his base, uh, that would be a bridge too far. And they would just, uh, say that's not really trump he's been uh it's a i don't i don't know what's the crazy it's uh it's a hillary clinton body double um plastic surgery um doppelganger yeah that's absolutely true though yeah so that, that would have been then, people who responded that way in response to that he would have to course correct back to their default position of no the vaccine is bad and jesus's vaccine is better we saw this actually we saw this play out actually so there was a thing where trump did a town hall or something and everyone was like oh this is when he did the state of the union or whatever and people were going on praising him talking about how great of a job he did and i remember there was one one woman uh i don't think she was a commentator i think she was just a normal citizen who was like i'll see you on twitter basically referencing like the real Trump will show up at Twitter later on. And and he did, right? That's what Alex is referencing. No matter what he would have said in a rally, he would have immediately walked it back on Twitter mm-hmm. to appease whoever the hell he likes following him on Twitter. Well, that, that actually also answers the next question that I had in this list was, in, in the situation in where, because I, my personal idea or my personal answer to that question was that he he probably wouldn't have changed his general messaging unless like something drastic happened. Like he himself was put on a ventilator or something else along those lines. And in my mind, if something like that would have happened, God forbid, I I don't want that to happen to anybody. I hate Trump with the worst of them, but I, I don't wish ill or death upon anybody. But I would say if he did change his message, this is my next question. If he did change his message, uh, do we believe his, fan base as i called it um would have changed their minds as well or would they have continued their own course but it's clear that we think yeah yeah that that would have stayed about the same yeah i think that would have stayed about the same the degree to which he has like fine control over his most fervent supporters i think is uh overestimated certainly he can influence some of them but there even some of his some of his hardcore supporters uh they don't follow trump they follow what Trump represents, and if he stops representing that, they will stop following him. So the the other uh, couple questions that I have are based on like specific instances that have happened either recently or in general, and I might my, my I, I'm curious to see how you think 
uh, President Trump would have handled these specific things. So um, I know this isn't exactly pandemic related, although in my mind, it kind of has to be. Uh, I know that there is a there has been a big push in schools for teaching more relevant history, uh, since obviously the, the history that has been taught has left many things to be desired. Um, I know that there were several scenarios in where um, teaching people about things like the viruses of the past and how vaccine science works and a couple of other things um, has been problematic for some thinking that like science has changed or like opinions have changed and like they don't know what to trust and a couple of other things. That's one of the, in my mind, commonly most listed reasons why they don't trust the vaccine itself for the people who don't want to get it is that they don't trust the science behind it. Um, do you think Trump would have opposed the pushes that we've seen to teach more credible information regarding both history and things like vaccine science? I mean, he would have opposed it in the way that he opposes most things, which is he would have just got on Twitter and yelled about it. But like, do I think he would have done anything formal? No, I think he would just would have been angry. I mean, this is the this was the thing with him was that for all of his bluster and rage, he didn't do much formal stuff because he just didn't care about traditional levers of power. He just didn't care about like exercising the power he actually had as president. He mostly just wanted to like be on Twitter and be angry and then see people talk about him on TV. So no, I don't think he would have like formally opposed it, but yeah, I mean, he would have, it's a Democrat plot. Democrats trying to make me look bad. They're trying to teach you that bad things about history, whatever else he would have done that. He would have just gone on Twitter and like tweeted all day about it. I mean, he was tweeted a hundred times a day about teaching history or science in class. And uh, that's where it would have stopped. Or he would have signed some, you know, unenforceable executive order, like just because he wanted to use the fancy pen. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what a lot of, this is a lot of what I think when I mentioned earlier that there would have been a difference, right. With the pandemic. The reason why I said that is because we are now in this stage of things where logistical challenges matter. Vaccine and booster, vaccine distribution is like a logistical challenge. It's not, you know, rapid testing is a logistical challenge. The companies want to sell you the test and we, we, we would like the test. So there's the market would very much like everyone to be able to buy a rapid test. The fact that we can't is not because the market doesn't want you to. It's just a logistical problem, right? Those are problems Trump just would have been terrible at solving. Buying more rapid tests, orchestrating a vaccine campaign. They're logistical challenges. And because he doesn't care about details or logistics, he would have fell apart completely at this stage of things. Stuff like sending people money. We covered this, I think, way back when. He was good with sending people yes. money. He just gets to like, put his name on a check and send it to you in the mail and say, like, I, President Trump, gave you money. He's good with that. But you're like, hey, we need you to organize a really complicated vaccine distribution program. Uh, <laughs> no, no, thanks. I'd rather go tweet. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Alex. You got it. <laughs> Rare I mean, agreement. Yeah. I mean, the the other issue, the other issue Trump would have had and that he that he had throughout his entire presidency, that is the same one that um obama had for the second half of his and that is congress doesn't want to do anything congress would just say no that's fair yeah 
Like you say, so like so suppose like so suppose uh, you know Trump had won and Republicans had taken back the House and had taken back the Senate, it wouldn't have mattered because they'd just be like, no, we don't want to do that. So it would just be like, like Anthony said, it would just be like, well, we're going to rule by, let's say, I'm going to attempt to rule by executive order. And then um, some court somewhere will say no, depending on, like, it'd either be, if it was too far to the right, then, like, the court in California would just say no. If it was too far to the left, then the court in Texas would just say no. Yep. And we would do nothing. Right. Well, and... (laughs) <laughs> this actually, this is an actually interesting thing, Alex. I actually really good you touched on this. So, Trump's power to dictate things right now exists because he is not president, and there is the ever-present danger that he will run. What Republicans are afraid of right now is that Trump will run next time around, and he will be a formidable primary opponent. That actually goes away if he's president. When you're a lame duck second term president, no one's afraid of you running again. So they basically don't give a damn what you say because they know in four years, your power diminishes considerably. Like Donald Trump right now, no one's afraid of him in three years. They go, we can wait you out because what are you going to do? You can't run again. Yep. So yeah, you would have probably seen some of his own party members who go, yeah, we're not on board with the craziest stuff anymore. We can just wait you out. (laughs) And then eventually do the things we were trying to do to begin with. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, that's what happened to Obama. You know, second term presidents famously struggle. What happened to Obama? It happened to Bush. It happened to Clinton. Um, you're a lame duck and everyone knows your power goes away in four years. You can't run again. You could run for the Senate, but like no president runs for Senate. Which has always <laughs> been really bizarre to me. Yeah. They just choose not to. Yeah. Like, no, like <laughs> Obama would be the senator from Illinois if he just announced the day before registration he would win he wouldn't even have to run a campaign he would just win with hey guys like i'm running for 80 yeah, of yeah. <laughs> yeah all right he would he would win as a write-in candidate but he chooses <laughs> not to maybe trump would try to run as what the senator from new york yeah that's not gonna no work. senator from florida <laughs> he's he lives in florida now I mean, look, the world in which he runs against Marco Rubio is super hilarious to me. But I, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Mr. Trump, if you're listening, if you're still listening, because I know you're yeah. listening, I know you started listening and then Josh right. talked. But so if you're still listening, <laughs> do this. Right. Please. Primary Rubio. But no, yeah, I, I mean, say I, I know I know they're talking about you making you speaker of the house, but come on, speaker of the house isn't isn't you. Senate majority leader even better? Yeah. I believe yeah. in you. Believe right. in me that believes in you. <laughs> right. Primary Marco Rubio, please. Um, but yeah, so it would have been a weird world because I think some of his power would have been diminished. I think he would have, again, struggled tremendously with the logistical challenges of orchestrating vaccines. And now booster campaign. Oh, my God. The booster campaign wouldn't even be off the ground. I mean, he would it would go nowhere. And that's where his personal failings, I think, would really become the country's problem. I think the vaccination rate would be much lower, for instance, if Trump was president. I Just because that. the vaccine campaign would have never got off the ground. Then I have I have effectively one more question for you. So um, as we've seen, uh, a pandemic like this comes in peaks and valleys. Um, with the current surge of Omicron, knowing that it probably would have happened a tad bit faster under President Trump, <laughs> Um, do we do we believe he would have handled this wave the same way the initial wave was handled? 
do we think there would have been a major difference between how the messaging revolving hospitals and and heroes in the essential workforce do we believe that would have continued to happen around this time yeah i don't think his response to this this current strain i mean i just think he would be over it he would just be over talking about the vaccine talking about the 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 virus i mean he would just be mm-hmm. over the whole thing we have so many can i say we only have so many cases because you guys keep talking about it can't we talk about right. something else now, i think he would talk about how omicron thus far has has shown that it is less lethal i think he would actually talk about that a lot he would talk a lot. It's like, this is just like the flu. Would would Omicron be less lethal had they not done the vaccine push? The virus itself would still be less lethal, but you would have, it'd be, the spread would be so much worse that the death toll would almost certainly be higher because way more people would go in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So even if it was less lethal, in a one-on-one scenario there'd be way more cases because it's more contagious so actually yeah you probably have a higher death count but he would talk about how you're safer from this one or we can't shut down things again and you know yeah now he may have called for travel bans this is one where i'm not uh, and uh, to the degree to which you know as you and i have talked could that potentially be helpful in some cases i think travel bans would have been a, a big part of what he's doing actually and that may not have been the worst thing in some scenarios, actually, is to shut down international travel a little more aggressively. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would be doing a lot of that. Like we saw Biden. So, for instance, let's take the origin of Omicron. We saw Biden initially ban travel from South Africa. Trump would still have travel banned from South Africa. Biden lifted it once it became clear it was everywhere. Trump would not have lifted it in this mm. scenario. He would have just kept them banned for the foreseeable future. Stuff like what we're seeing at the border, immigration, right? Like um, as it relates to the pandemic, you know, Biden has has tried to figure out immigration in a pandemic. Trump wouldn't have even tried. He would have just like kept it all shut down. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did say he was going to build the wall. Exactly. I mean, all right. <laughs> maybe there would have been a bigger push to build said wall. <laughs> That's true. Well, um, this was very interesting food for thought. I, I think... I'm pretty sure we're all in agreement that things would be worse in in some way um, if if Trump was still in office, specifically regarding the pandemic. I know that there's a lot of avenues we we could have taken this, but I wanted to focus specifically on pandemic response because there are a lot of things um, that Trump is responsible for in this nation now. And I I don't think we're going to be done dealing with the effects of his presidency for a long time but that is a story for another day and a discussion for another pod so this podcast has been brought to you in part by Yag productions a studio for podcasters and musicians and of course pointcast news to listen to any of our other podcasts please go visit our website at pointcast.news or you can also find us on apple podcasts Also, be sure to like and follow us on our Facebook page for more podcasts and articles like the uh, like the uh, poll, the poll that we covered today. We really like it in interacting. I can't use words right now. We really like interacting with you guys on those polls and such. 
We very much appreciate any interaction that we get from you guys, whether it's a comment section on an article or other things along those lines. We really try to find things that we think you guys are interested in reading um, and are interested in talking about. So thank you guys for joining me here on the, the call. Thank you at home for listening. We will see you next time. Josh out.